Hello and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Herp Chat with Jason or Hello and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Herp Report with Jason White. Today we talk about uh, air traffic control, turtles, and their effect on the runway, as well as uh, the late great uh, Mr. Host and uh, his legacy of the world in the venomous snakes and uh, the work that he did as well as a gentleman that uh, escaped a crocodile, uh, sorry, an alligator attack, uh, and actually somehow uh, pulled the jaws apart and rescued himself from being eaten by an alligator down in Florida. So, without further ado, here is Mr. Jason White from Daily Reptile News and the Herp Report with Jason White. So, uh, Jason, how's this? Uh, how's the week find you? Um, the, the week finds me excellent. Thank you, John. How are you? Oh, it's freaking hotter than hell. <laughs> Jesus. Hot. Although it's not as hot as uh, the Central American rainforest where a friend of mine is uh, chasing monkeys, so I'm, I'm pretty good with just being hot. I, I've never been there. I haven't um, either. I've heard it's beautiful country, but it's hot. I have a good friend who last weekend went up to San Francisco to the, uh, the zoo... And what's the other, the Academy of Science? Yeah, yeah. And he said that they have a tropical, it's like an indoor um, rainforest. Yeah, nice. And he, he said that he cannot believe how people live there. It's just unbearable. <laughs> it must have been 110 degrees and 150% humidity. You just couldn't stand yourself in there. Wow. That's wild. So, speaking of hot and humid... Um, one of our, uh, well, one of my um, idols passed away recently, Bill Host. Yes. Uh, of Miami Serpentarium uh, fame. Now, Mr. Host, um, I think, well, for me personally, anyway, the reason he was so famous is because the guy actually injected himself with enough venom to, you know, I mean, equivalent to over time, kill at least, you know, I think they upped it to like 10 or 12 people. You know, he had, it was insane. It's some insane amount, and, you know, the guy was just an icon. For 60 years, he injected himself with a mixture of 32 different snake species venoms. Yeah. That's and, ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and he always tells people, you know, don't try this. This is, you know, this is, you know, this is a scientific research study. You don't want to try this, you know, what have you. I mean, they flew this guy around the country when people would get bit or to, you know, give blood transfusions, I think. They'd fly him around the country to, you know, donate his blood because he had so much venom pumping through it that, you know, they used it as his own blood as an anti-venom. It was really wild. He also made it into Ripley's Believe It or Not. Really? Uh, I had no idea about this. Yeah, his uh, original Serpentarium attracted 50,000 tourists a year for 40 years. Dear man. Now, you know what's interesting is, and I still don't know the story behind it, so I can't really speak to the details of it. But I guess in the original Serpentarium, there was a child who had fallen in somewhere into one of the, um, I guess it was a pit of some kind. An alligator, I think it was. And I don't know if maybe the, I don't know what actually killed the child. I don't know if it was the, the gator or if it was the fall or what, but evidently it caused such a ruckus over that one incident of that child falling in that I guess he packed up shop and moved out. To somewhere else before coming back in, into Florida again. Yeah, yeah, I, I have on um, 
notes right here um, that he closed his original serpentarium in 1984 after a six-year-old boy fell into his crocodile pit and was fatally mauled. Oh, so he was mauled. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even know that. You know another interesting thing, right? Reptile lovers all over the world will think this is interesting. I think it was extremely interesting. Um, in another uh, page of notes I was reading here about a week ago, they said the next day he went in there with a pistol and shot the crocodile. Wow. And, you know, that's, I, I mean, we've all got, you know, a, a dog that bites somebody, a snake that bites somebody, and we, we never go in there and shoot the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that just, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it, it, it bothered him a lot what happened. As you said, he, he packed up and moved um, and didn't return to Florida until 1990. Yeah, that was a shame. But, yeah, he died at 100 years old. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing. The guy injected himself with that much venom and lived to be 100 years old. And it, uh, another good, uh, important thing to point out is injecting himself with the 23 species of venom for six years, he died of natural causes. Yeah, and he dies of natural causes. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> you know, you didn't, the venom didn't kill you. You just, you know, old age did. It was just like, wow. Seriously? I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, John, but I'm feeling a little weird here just thinking about the needles. Yeah, yeah, just the needles alone would do it. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, no, I'm good. Mm -mm. Do you remember, um, what was that show down there with, uh, Sean Bush? What, what? Oh, Venom ER. Venom ER. Do you remember the gentleman in Venom ER? Oh, dear Lord. Where they, I don't, I don't know. know they injected it or they drank the venom and everybody thought, how stupid are you to do something like that? Right. It, it, it gives a whole new perspective when you read, a, you know, something about Bill Haas doing this for 60 years, and as many times as he was bit, it, it, there must have been some sort of science to what he was doing. There, there must have been, I mean, you and I, time ago, sustaining the amount of bites that he sustained. Yeah, yeah, because so, I think they even documented how many times was that guy bit in his lifetime? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I remember he handled, I think they put it up at like over 3 million species. It says he, ha he handled over 3, million, 3 snakes. million species in his lifetime. He sustained 20 nearly fatal bites. Unbelievable. So, handling 3 million snakes, sustaining 20 near fatal bites, which, you know, I might add, that's an amazing record right there. 20, yeah. You know, 20 nearly fatal bites. Now, this doesn't say dry bites or, you know, ones that just weren't that bad. Well, if they're um, nearly fatal, you would think they were, you know, he got the full dose. Yeah, yeah, within three million snakes. Yeah, so I mean, 20 out of three million? That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a pretty tight record, man. I'd like to see anybody else pull that one off. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've handled maybe a couple hundred rattlesnakes. Yeah? And, with one bite. So, yeah. It, 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 you know, that, that, that's not nearly as good as 20 bites out of 3 million. Yeah, no, no. Now, speaking of biting, uh, we have a little story I like to call, uh, Don't Eat Me. <laughs> and I'll have to let you explain this one, because this was just, I mean, I just laugh every time I think about it. The guy in the crocodile that bit him in the head? The, the alligator, yeah, he was, uh... Oh, the alligator. Like, it makes a difference. I mean, the thing tried to eat him. Well, it was in Florida, the state park, and he, 
I, I guess he was out swimming with a seven-year-old son, and they decided to to get, I guess, get out of the boat and go swimming or something, and, and he, a, a nine-foot alligator, grabbed him on the back of the head. And he, I, I guess with his bare hands, pried this alligator's jaws open. Fifty stitches and a few staples later, he's, he's recovering perfectly fine. And actually, for uh, the Orlando News, he, he talks to the camera from his living room um, with the scars all over his head. So, Wow. You know, that you talk about the kind of pressure they have. You have to assume that he put up a fight and this alligator gave up because I'm not sure there's anybody that'd be able to open the mouth of a ornery nine-foot alligator. Yeah, because that's what I've always heard, you know, and I'll have to ask uh, Chris Law when he comes back on for an interview about uh, gators and crocs, but I've always heard that it's not the, it's not, the crocs really have no muscle to open their mouth. But they have 3,000 pounds per square inch closing pressure. But it's the closing pressure, so, you know, Either that was a weak, well, I'm presuming, I mean, maybe, you know, because you have heard of adrenaline people, you know, people in certain situations, they have an adrenaline rush, and they could, you know, lift cars and everything else, so it's it's possible, but, yeah, that just sounds pretty wild, man, a nine-foot alligator. About, you know, talking about 3,000 pounds per square inch, when you go a, a, a nine-foot alligator, that let's say he's got a 12-inch jaw, you're, you're talking about like a 20-ton press behind your head. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's, it's just, it's amazing. But, it's my opinion that that's not the real story. The real story is that after this man was attacked by the alligator, the state park did not post any warnings. No game officials warned anybody. People continued to swim and frolic around the state park, completely unaware that an alligator attempted to eat somebody there. Really? That is an epic fail, if you ask me. Um, the, the Fish and Wildlife Service claimed that they didn't even hear about the incident until Monday morning. Park officials, it, last I heard, weren't commenting on anything, but, you know, it seems to me, when my mother was in Florida, they posted signs warning of alligators and problem alligators, and, and apparently in this situation they didn't, and the news actually interviewed several people at the park who were amazed to hear that somebody was actually attacked and they weren't told about it. No, wait a minute, this is a county park that this happened or a state park or what? It's, it's a state park. State park and nobody state. called fishing game. Yeah, no, nobody. Well, I guess it happened on uh, the weekend. A licensed trapper, it took four days for the licensed trapper to catch and kill what he thinks was the animal that attacked the guy. Yeah, he says, uh, he says Monday he started calling around and nothing had been done. The park had been open, business as usual all weekend. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission confirmed it's investigating what happened, but had no record of the incident until Monday afternoon when the victim's wife called a spokesman for the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, which oversees the state park. That's awesome. And, and I, you know, I, I can't really say where the blame falls because, you know, just because it's a state park doesn't mean that it's a man's state park. So maybe there was nobody there. It, a, a fellow yeah. took him to somebody's house where they brought him to a fire station and took him to the hospital, I guess. But when he got to the hospital, you would think throughout their triage process 
that somebody would have contacted the authorities and said, hey, this man's head was nearly taken off by an alligator out there. And, you know, somebody dropped the ball somewhere. It didn't report this properly. And, and you know, it, it's... I mean, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time around alligators. I, I know people that have. And, well, it's the, the, the same with just about any other reptile. They'd much rather swim the other way. Right, right. That's what Chris was telling me. They say, like, for example, a mountain lion. If, you get, if one of them attacks you, it's because there's something wrong with it. Mm. And... You know, if there was an alligator out there that has humans on its menu, you, you, that's taking a big risk by not saying something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially in a state park. How strange. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of Florida, we have now, uh, now the fishing game department is focusing on a new, and let's see if I can get this correct right off the uh, story here. Nile monitors are large predatory lizards native to Africa. Fish and wildlife conservation is concerned about potential predation and native bird rookeries. A population of Nile monitors is established in an area of Cape Coral on the southwest coast of Florida. So basically now, instead of large constrictors, they're worried about large lizards. Well, you know, John, it's been a concern of them for a while. it hasn't been as publicized as the large constrictors. They're saying that sightings in Broward and Palm Beach counties have increased this summer. Uh, nine Nile monitors have been seen in recent surveys of the area. One was trapped, and the second monitor, five feet long, was removed from a uh, homeowner's screen patio last week after getting access to a doggy door. Hmm. Uh, both of them were euthanized. They were, because it wasn't so publicized, that's what kind of makes it somewhat important to me. Um, Everybody, everybody that's listening here has probably heard of the, the large constrictor bands, and right. they don't realize that you know the, anybody that's watched the documentaries and stuff that have been made on this Everglades problem, uh, they know about the tagus. But monitors right. are something I, I get a lot of questions about, and they're, they're just uh, they're there. They're, they're massive lizards that are running around Florida. Right. They're, not, they're just not talked about that much. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, I, as you were saying before, that, you know, they're not the most aggressive thing in the world. But No, they're not really that aggressive, but they, you know, if you go after them and grab hold of them, yeah, they're going to bite the crap out of you. you know. That's the thing right there. I, I've never dealt with a Nile monitor. I've owned a Burmese python, and... I'll tell you what, I, I, will, I would definitely take a second look at a monitor, and a 24 python I wouldn't care about. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, a five, six, seven foot Nile monitor, meeting one in a dark alley, that's something that I personally would be a little concerned about. Um, not necessarily a coming after me, but it's not something I'm going to reach down and grab a hold of and, and try to take home with me. Yeah, no, they're they can they can put a they put a bite on you. Yeah, definitely. Asking anybody in in the the Florida Broward Palm Beach counties or, or anywhere down there if they happen to find one uh, to call eight 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 I've got one. It's eight 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 four eight three four six eight one. Right. And I mean the the unfortunate news. This is something we've been talking about since since Friday. The unfortunate part is it's probably going to be trapped and euthanized. Yeah. It's one of those things they just have to do. 
you know, I don't like to see any reptiles get euthanized, but by them trapping and euthanizing these reptiles, if it means us staying away from a ban, then, you know, maybe it's got to be done. Yeah. And not only that, you know, these, you know, they're taking out endangered bird species because they are an egg eater, and they will decimate a rookery, I'm sure, you know. Uh, you give them enough room or get enough monitors in a, in a in a bird rookery of a ground nesting bird, and man, they're just going to devastate that place. They're just going to eat all the eggs. Now, something interesting I saw on Python Hunters um, with Sean Heflick, which he's on the uh, living room as well. On his show, he was talking about these things actually going out and eating gator eggs. I bet they would, yeah. You know, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty wild. I never thought about that because. You know, that's a pretty big risk. Because, as you know, you know, female gators guard their nest very well. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this lizard's just really getting crazy just going out there eating gator eggs. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think being, being the scavengers they are, um, or, or that whole species is, I don't think it stops at eggs either. I think they'll, they'll pretty much pick off anything they can easily grab. Yeah, anything that's pretty much slow moving enough, they'll probably take it down. And, and, and might I add, for the residents of Florida, that includes cats and dogs, so keep them on leashes. Yeah, yeah, I would not be surprised at all for a monitor to take out a cat or a dog. There have been a lot of dogs in the last couple of weeks in Florida taken out by alligators. Oh, really? It, it, it annoys me to no end that these alligators are trapped and euthanized. Well, these and, alligators or monitors? No, these are alligators. Oh, okay. And, but but this, this goes along with these monitors, too. It, it, it's, um, you know, the, the dogs are not safe running free by the by the water's edge or by the wood's edge. There's stuff that jumps out and grabs them. Yeah, geez, keep them on a leash, folks. <laughs> yeah. They're also calling this, I, I, um, I don't know, you, you saw the story, didn't you, John? Yeah, the Nile Monitor thing? Yeah, the, the, the picture there, the caption says, New Invaders in South Florida. Yeah. This, this is not new. It, no. I mean, it, it may not be as old as the Python issue, but the, the monitors there are nothing new. It's, uh, I mean, maybe they're, they're developing new, um, New areas, new ranges, new new populations of them. Maybe they're spreading out, but um. Yeah, they may be spreading, but it's nothing. It's definitely not anything new. I mean, that's no, just. No. Yeah, that's just a bunch of crap, really. <clears throat> now, the other interesting story that I thought was just hilarious was the uh, uh, JFK turtles. Shut down. You know, shut down the airport. I mean. <laughs> And open up a Twitter account while they were at it, which I thought yeah, was kind of cool. I still think that's Brian Barczyk. <laughs> <laughs> anytime an animal's in the news, it all, or anytime a reptile's in the news, it all of a sudden gets a Twitter account, and I'm sure he's paying Chewy to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, 150 di- diamondback terrapin turtles um, crossing the runway, and this is apparently something that happens every year. They say it's the height of the breeding season right now, or the egg-laying season. Right, uh, right. And they cross the runway to a reserve, uh, I guess a nice little sandy spot on the other side of the runway where they lay their eggs. And what makes this story absolutely amazing is they've delayed takeoffs up to 15 minutes. Not only that, but they had some of the, 
Uh, what makes it amazing is they had even some Port Authority staff members that went out on the runway and helped the turtles across the runway, and incoming flights were diverted to other runways. And, and this is, uh, you know, they, like I said, they, they say that they, the delayed flights were only delayed at the most about 15 minutes while they let the turtles get away. Right. But, you know, the JF, this is a, a major, a, a major airport being uh, having to completely change their operations for a while to let these turtles go, you know, and, and I, I, I have a huge respect for the New York Port Authority for, you know, and anywhere else up here in Sacramento, they'd have probably just run the plane right over the turtles. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, to, to actually hopping airplanes and diverting air traffic to other runways to, to help these things, that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and what was cool was uh, one of the pilots was talking about it, you know, and he's like, you know, he was, I think he was kind of joking about it, you know, that it was just really cool, you know, to see, you know, these turtles. He's like, there's a turtle on the runway. You know, I'm not, I can't do anything. There's a turtle on the runway. You know, but they were kind of, they were making light of it, but it was really cool that they weren't like, you know, freaking out and, you know, like he said, wanting to run them over or anything like that. It was just like, okay, so we're going to hang out here on the, on the uh, tarmac and uh, wait for the turtles to get done. And then, uh, you know, we'll get moving. I think I heard the initial air traffic control exchange from, uh, I think it was a JetBlue pilot and the Port Authority recording a turtle on the runway and the pilot asking, what do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and the Port Authority coming back and saying, just, you know, bring it back down to an idle and wait. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 it just lets you... We're going through all this crap right now, but uh, out uh, southwest, uh, closer down by you, John, about the dune sagebrush lizard, and y you see what douchebags our government can be, and when you see people, you know, like this, going that extra mile to try to help uh, uh, some turtles, yeah, uh, it, it, it kind of renews your hope that, that all is not lost. Yeah, it really does, you know, because it just really does. You know, like you said, that stuff with the with the sagebrush lizard down here, it's like, you know, just totally ridiculous. You know, the, it's a nightmare. It, it, it's, <laughs> that's the only way you can explain it is, is it's a nightmare what's going on with that sagebrush lizard. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, I agree that jobs are important right now. Uh, unfortunately, we all have a dependency on oil. Yeah. But, but I don't care. You know, I, I mean, if, if you were talking about a few lizards having to be moved, they recently did this over in Europe, I believe, where there were thousands of reptiles that were moved, relocated, mm -hmm. um, so they can do some port project. And, and that, it's my understanding, was actually successful, but I, I can understand that. But you're talking, out, you're talking about wiping a species off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you add, I, I don't think there's anything that, you know, I, I don't care about anybody's job when it comes to that. No, no. So, you, know, a I, job, I you know, a job is not worth, you know, wiping a species off the freaking planet. That's just... Yeah, no, no. And, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even see why this is up for debate. I don't, I don't know why they're going through all this. It's like, you know, the, 
I don't know how this whole thing got started, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the way they do it, the conservation groups and everything, they go through and they get the petition signed and everything, and they send it to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for review. And obviously the Fish and Wildlife Service uh, went through the documents, did their work, whatever they had to do, and determined that this dune sagebrush lizard was a good candidate for the endangered species list. So this isn't just a bunch of PETA people talking out their asses. Right, right. And, and it, you know, there shouldn't even be a question that the oil companies and stuff should start making plans on where they're going to pack up and move to to get out of the lizard's way. Yeah. And, I mean, there's even been reports saying that the proposed protection areas are not even within the areas that the oil companies are working in. And so that it makes no sense why they would have an issue with it, you know, but it's, uh, it's a mess. And, okay, we actually talked about the Dune Sagebrush Lizard listing and the new Fish and Wildlife Director on the show today on YouTube. Oh, nice. All right. So, yeah, that'll be a sweet one. Okay, so that was Mr. Jason White from Daily Reptile News helping us out with the Herp Report with Jason White. And we do look forward to seeing you back here next week as we will be posting another interview with Jason and finding out what's happening in the uh, world of the reptile news. And until then, we do hope that you leave some comments uh, in the show notes, what have you. And uh, if you do like what we're doing, let us know, folks. Well, this is really all about you and uh, what we're doing here. So we do look forward to hearing your comments. And we'll see you next week on the Herb Report with Mr. Jason White of Daily Reptile News. <laughs>